2: As you're getting ready for the big game today, we have the real game day. We have Walt Downey, who was captain of the Michigan football team, All-American, selected in the second round by the San Francisco 49ers and the Super Bowl winner. His coach was the legendary Bo Schembechler. Then his son chose to go to the rival school and start for three years for Jim Trestle at Ohio State, T.J. Downey. They will share their insights about why they selected their schools, what this game meant to them, and how they prepared. Go Blue! There's nothing like getting two alums really fired up for the game because I've got the former captain of the Michigan Wolverines and his son who is a three-year starter at Ohio State. And we did this recording yesterday. So you think you want to get two Michigan and an Ohio State man fired up? Well, tell them to do it again. And, <laughs> and here we are with the real game day. They may have something on ESPN, but we've got the real game day here because we've got two people that have participated in the game on the opposite sides. And we're going to find out what it's like to prepare for the big game. So, Walt, you had to make a decision growing up in Pennsylvania on where you were going to go to school, and you selected Michigan. Why?
0: Why? When I went up and I visited the big house, met some of the other recruits that were coming in there, it just seemed to be just unreal. I mean, it's the height of the game. Uh, college-wise, and uh, but you know, I had been recruited heavily by Penn State, and they, they actually contacted me when I was a sophomore, and uh, they, uh, you know, they were linebacker you at the time, and I was a linebacker in uh, high school, only at 6'4", 242. <laughs> but I was able to run I was able to run the sideline to uh, sideline side pretty darn well. I told Penn State I was coming, and uh, I told Paterno that, and they were supposed to come down to my house for the national signing, and uh, this was in 1974, and at that time, there was a gas crisis in the country, Um, so the day before they're supposed to be at my place, I get a call from uh, Jerry Sandusky, who everybody knows is, had run into some pretty bad troubles there later. I get a call from Jerry and he says, Hey, Walt, we can't get down for the, the national sign in. And my parents had a party lined up. The press was going to be there. And he says, we can't get out of state college because of the gas crunch. Well, I kind of, you know, took that a little sourly. And, uh, the next day, My buddy, Jimmy Cefalo, who was an All-American at Penn State, played seven years with the Dolphins, Jimmy um, calls me and he goes, hey, Walt, he says, when are you going to sign? The coaches were up last night. We had a big party and everything. You know, I kind of took that, that they lied to me. They should have just told me they were going to go to the and then they would come see me. But uh, no, they made an excuse. And uh, so the next day, I uh, I was a little uh, shocked about all that. So the next day, I was uh, at a McDonald's before school. My buddy Jed Hughes other and another coach show up, and uh, I told him, hey, if you tell Schembechler I'm coming to mm-hmm. Ann Arbor? And that's how I made that quick decision. Now, it was a good one because we had the second top recruiting class in the country we went to the Orange Bowl my sophomore year, and then won the Big Ten Championship and played in back to back Rose Bowls my junior and senior year. So uh, it was a good move for me, just like Ohio State was a great move for TJ.
2: Yeah, TJ, let's talk about that. I mean, here you had a dad. Your dad goes to Michigan, and you decide to go to the arch rival. How can you, I mean? How, how do you how do you end up making that decision?
1: You know, in in terms of Michigan, I think they felt like. Walt would do the recruiting for them you know Lloyd Carr and Stan Parrish Terry Malone I always got along with those guys very well I, I like Terry as an offensive line coach sat in on a bunch of meetings with them and and I think they just said okay here's a scholarship and maybe we'll let your dad kind of do the legwork as far as pitching uh what the Mays and Blue have to offer well Coach Trestle comes in I wasn't recruited by John Cooper and uh kind of a little interesting uh side note here, the only Big Ten school that never offered me was Penn State. And I didn't know if that had something to do with with the old man kind of spurning them there, but every other Big Ten school offered me, but Penn State. When Coach Cooper had left, or uh, or obviously it was a good thing. I, I I don't know if he was terminated, fired, or or what happened, but it led to us being able to beat Michigan again. That's all that anybody in Buckeye Nation cares about. But Coach Tress comes in, and he is he is the total recruiter. I mean, he comes into your living room, uh, the Senator, they call him, and he can sit down there within five minutes and he will win over your mom. He'll win over your dad and he'll win you over. And, and he started throwing around, around the words like love, and we need you. And we want you to be part of the family. And for a 17, 18 year old kid, it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty heavy right here. And, and it's funny. Uh, I thought I knew everything about the old man. Uh, I, I learned something new here this morning. I never knew that, you know, I was part of the number two recruiting class in the country when we, uh, when we all signed to come play for Tress in 2002. I never knew, Pop, that you were uh, part of a number two recruiting class as well. Yes.
2: Well, that's something you got in common. So now here we are, the day of the game. What preparation, Walt, ha- had you gone through, and-, and how did Bo bring that to such a crescendo? How was this game so important?
0: You know, it's the ultimate rivalry in college sports right now. It's been around for over 150 years. I mean, it's just uh, amazing. You know, you got these two states uh, connected on the north end. And, uh, you know, as, mo- as long as I've lived in Ohio and being from Michigan, the Ohio and Michigan people just don't like each other, it seems. But, um you know, the preparation is intense. I mean, you play all year. If you prepare for the last game, you're never you're never not thinking about your rival. You're looking at what they're doing, how they're progressing. Uh, you doing the same to keep pace. So it's that intense. It just becomes such a rivalry. And then Bo, teacher that he was, you know, his whole thing was the team, the team, the team. and. And prepare and we always had little segments in our practice where it was always kind of geared towards Ohio State at some point so I mean it it was almost a year-round thought vision that the Ohio State Michigan game was going to come down to probably the Big Ten championship
2: which back then that's what you focused on you wanted to win the Big Ten and play in the Rose Bowl win that now TJ comes to Ohio State and the whole thing changes He's involved in a national championship game. So talk a little bit about what your preparation was like going into Michigan week.
1: Well, it's it's funny. I was joking with my broadcast partner last night that, you know, I always dreamed of playing in a Rose Bowl. We ended up getting stuck with four Fiesta Bowls. And obviously, everything changed from back then because – if it wasn't for I believe right around nineteen seventy three did it have to do with the tiebreaker that that's where you kind of saw the evolution of the bowl games, and it was more inclusive and and so there wasn't just one big ten team that was able to go and and just playing at Rose Bowl, but always uh wanted to know what it would have felt like to run out there in Pasadena. Our preparation similar to as Walt said, you know we spent all the way through spring ball to training camp. And, and deep into the season, until the week we played Michigan, every practice we'd have a five-minute segment drill where it was kind of right in the middle and Coach truss would stop everything we're doing. We could be preparing for Indiana, installing something new, and it was, this is go blue period. We're going to spend five minutes conditioning so that we remember ultimately what should be on our mind at the end of the season, which is the game, the biggest rivalry in college sports and in all of sports, if you ask me. And it, and it was a, a tone setter, um, and guys, uh, the guys knew that. They knew what was on the horizon. We knew what was looming, and we kind of prepared for that going into my senior year knowing that we wanted it to be number one and number two, and it ultimately ended up working out that way. It was fun for me because it was so competitive and there was always something on the line. I know that, that a lot of people are excited about this game today because you finally have it back to where it's a top five matchup. And that's exciting inside of this rivalry. You want to build the excitement because that's what ultimately makes that rivalry.
2: The, the other piece, Walt. I mean, you know, Bo was just so hyper about the game that you know one time he th- he went over the wall because he said Woody was filming the practice, went into the house, brought the film <laughs> out, stamped on the stamped on, said Woody's trying to skunk us. That's never going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Bo was so intense. You know, as much as he, you you think that uh, Bo and Woody, and and obviously Bo coming from Ohio State with Woody, and then going and taking up the Michigan job, and then having early success that that he did, Bo loved Woody. I mean, he was they Woody was a mentor to him. They they conflicted. They were just uh intelligent minds uh loved football more than almost anybody in the world and uh, so that that even impacted the rivalry that ten year war set the standard uh for what was later going to happen now it hasn't been much of a rivalry for the past 15, 16 years, but um maybe the day might shed another light we don't we all know that the day's over Why not? but uh, Those guys were great. And let me also say something, even though we had a top second recruiting class, TJ and I are the only, which uh, he was telling me, are the only uh, father-son that played at rivalries at Ohio State and Michigan that were both All-Americans. So, you know, that's been special in our household.
2: Well, there's no question. I mean, that's why this is the real game day. I mean, game day doesn't think about going and getting two (laughs) All-Americans, a father and a son and being able to talk about what that rivalry was like. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, as we talked about that 10-year war, I I mentioned the fact that we're in an elevator, Woody, myself, and Gary Moeller, who was his captain on his national championship team. The rivalry was so intense that we ran up in the elevator. Woody and Mo never even talked to each other. So that, I mean, that that intensity, I mean, it just permeated the coaches. I mean, as you know, everybody's picture was up on who you were competing against. It was all throughout the building. That's all you knew. You had to play better than whoever your com- contemporary was at, at the, at the center position at Ohio state. So t- exactly right. So one last thought, Walt, that you had about that game when you were going in each year, captain of the team, any special message you gave to your players? I mean, you were kind of the leader of the group, the leader of your alignment. You had this, Jerry Hanlon, who was uh, you know, <laughs> who, had, who was like Bo, but he was Bo's whipping boy, but an unbelievable coach and somebody that could get excited pretty quickly.
0: Uh, Jerry was phenomenal as uh, being Bo's right-hand man, and uh, I never saw anybody. When I went on a recruiting trip there, uh, I see this coach that's only about 5:10, and he's <laughs> getting up in six, six, five, six, six tall offensive lineman, 300 pounders, and he's up in their grill, man. And I've seen this foam coming out of his mouth, and I'm saying, man, this guy <laughs> is, is crazy. But uh, it, he also, I mean, he intensified what was going on along with Bo and uh, and and that whole rivalry situation. Jerry and Bo, I mean, just the whole thing was just totally intense. And uh, it was just a great mixture to play for that whole thing.
2: So TJ, from your perspective, here, here's Jim Tressel, who was part of Ohio State at one time. But the do you was he, You think he was able to carry on the same intensity that bowen Woody had when he took over?
1: Yeah, he he made it very apparent to us, and and he made it apparent to everybody um, in Buckeye Nation that you know when he did that press conference at the basketball game that you know I can't remember what the number was, but it was like you will all be proud of us in 264 days when we go to Ann Arbor. And he didn't even need to say Ann Arbor. He just said the number of days, and everybody inside of Schottenstein Arena knew what he was talking about. And, and you knew that that intensity was going to be there. You know, ag- again, from, from Coach Trussell's standpoint, and, and kind of like uh, Bo, I, I know Bo was a little bit more vocal, but Coach Truss kind of let his, his coaches on his staff do all the barking. And then he would reel us all back in. And our thing was, amidst all that hoopla, because we knew with it being, the, the, as they coined it, the game of the century, the only time in the rivalry we were ever number one or number two for a chance at a, an outright Big Ten championship, which we hadn't won one of those since 1980, and then a chance to play in the national championship game, you had to be focused and dialed in. You know, it gets to a point where all that raw, raw stuff can kind of distract you from where you need to be. And I have always mentioned uh, a funny little story to people um, you know, from my area up here where I went to school, uh, Glen Oak High School in Canton, a, a gentleman down down the tracks from me, uh, Sean Crable, who lined up uh, for the for the Mason blue. He was a Maslin guy. You know, you got one hundred and ten thousand people inside the horseshoe. It's going nuts. And they had just driven down and scored on us. It was seven nothing. And Lloyd Carr and 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 I'm not sure who his defensive coordinator was at the time, if it was Madison or not, they decided to throw us some type of blitz that we hadn't seen before on their film. And so they walked Sean Crable up into the A gap between uh the my center and I. And I'm thinking everything we had seen from him all year long, he was scraping off the edge and they and they were working against the tackles on that stuff. And I just remember, you know. OK, well, this is something different here. This is the first play of the game. Let me go ahead and see if I can set the tone. And I think I looked up at Sean and I said something to the tone of, you come through this gap right here, it'll be the worst effing decision you ever made in your life. And he tried to come through and, and we jacked him up. And, and it was just, it was those small things that if you're so worried about everything going on surrounding this game, you miss that block. And all of a sudden, your quarterback, your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is out of the game because you couldn't pick up a blitz because you weren't focused in the right direction. You know, that, that's the one thing where Trestle told us. He said, you have to be prepared. And you have to be able to do what we need to do out there on the field to be successful. There was really nobody better at preparing you than, than Coach Trestle. There was no stone that went unturned. And I, and I always remember, um, and I don't know if you ever had this happen, Dad, but in regards to the word preparation, I used to wake up and have nightmares in the off season. You wake up in a cold sweat and you, and, and and the nightmare was you're walking out there to play or you're showing up late to the Ohio State Michigan game and you don't know anything about the guy you're playing against. And you feel unprepared and it would drive you insane to know that I, I can't let this happen because it's a scary feeling. If you're not prepared for what's ahead of you, you'll get exposed.
2: Well, so here we are. We're in- Three hours away from game time. Walt, what's your prediction?
0: <laughs> My prediction is the winner.
1: Think about this one wisely, or, there, Dad. <laughs> or in the bowl
0: championship series.
1: Well, you still got to worry about playing the Big Ten championship game too. I believe oh, that could that, be that, against that, Wisconsin.
0: That, 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 that's done.
1: <laughs> like i said
0: whoever wins and can go on i think that they could end up uh you know you got to win what three more games or so um today the the uh, big 10 championship and then two more so you could be uh, 14 and one that'd be a pretty good season
2: if yeah. you could do that how about um, you how about you tj what's yours
1: well you know it's going to be really tough for them to cover down on all these wide receivers and uh and, and and, and hopefully if game day is listening, as they should be, as you set them correct here, uh, that, that, that you got the real men of genius on here, the the all-American father-son combo. Nobody, or none of the wide receivers from Ohio State were mentioned on the Fred Blitnikoff uh, award list that just recently came out. And at the end of today, you're going to potentially have three 1,000-yard receivers in Ohio State's locker room. That's going to be tough to cover down on. We know C.J. Stroud, he's gotten better since the beginning of the season. And, and how about all the people out there that uh, they didn't even think he deserved to be starting at quarterback after about the second or third week of the season? I don't think those people are carrying that same tune now. But this will be by far the most hostile environment that C.J. Stroud has had to play in. And, and one of the things that Coach Trestle always made very apparent to us, and, and I know this from watching, and, and this transcends through every coaching regime, it's damn hard to win in the state of Michigan. And it's damn hard to win in the state of Ohio. That's just how it is in this rivalry. Throw the records out. It doesn't matter who's the underdog. I mean, Michigan's a seven point dog in, in their house. In 2004, yep. my first start as a sophomore against Michigan, we were 12 point underdogs in the horseshoe. And we were able to beat them, I think, 37 to 21. I mean, we, we put it on them pretty good. And you know, you just you throw that stuff out, man, because you know it's going to be intense. You know the crowd is going to be into it. and That's something that CJ Stroud is going to have to take care of today. I don't think it's going to be um, as tough an issue as, as some may think because CJ Stroud is really rolling right now. I think the Buckeyes win by two scores.
0: Ed, before I let you go on that one, Ohio State, to me, one of the most improved areas that they've grown this season has been on the offensive line. I'm a believer that uh, defenses can certainly help you win championships, but if you got an offensive line that can control the game, then you're going to win. Because of the receivers, as TJ mentioned, they have the young running back, Stroud at quarterback, but that offensive line's come together. They got Mumford at left guard, but that big Jones at left tackle, 6'8, 365 pounds and moves like a dancing bear, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not sure that Hutchinson or Imabu, or what I think I'm pronouncing that, that uh, they're going to have as much success as they could coming off the edges. That's to be seen. What I would tell my boys before the game, I had my boys together, and I said, listen, I'm your captain. They called me Deputy Dog, and uh, I set the, the tone out there. And I had those guys fired up all week and I would tell them, Hey, this is our time, boys. We gotta make hundred percent of it. They only get a certain window periods in life. Let's go let's leave balls to the wall because we are going all out. And I will dominate my spot, you guys take care of your business, and we can succeed in this game. And that's how I kinda I I always had a heavily positive atmosphere or, or conviction with what I was doing and how I was able to bring my teammates along with me. And I think that that offensive line, the the defensive uh, growing that Ohio State's done, they're going to be tough to beat, but you're in the big house, and as TJ said, it's a different animal when you walk in there, especially as Stroud as a freshman, and to see that atmosphere. It's going to be intense. I hope it's a close game. Well, I think it'll be a close game, and uh, you know, I'd like to say Michigan could win it, but... I'm gonna take Ohio State by three.
1: Let, let me uh, let me let me let me piggyback off of what Walt just said there too, which is is kind of an interesting thought. I think here this rivalry, this game, allows for offensive and defensive linemen to shine, and you don't hear people say that a whole lot because of how glamorous the game is with everybody chucking the ball around. But um, you know, going back to uh, when Walt was a junior and they went into Columbus and they were able to win 22 to nothing in, in the horseshoe um, and, and Walt's signature block at the end of that game, taking down Tom Cousineau uh, and, and and scoring uh, kind of the uh, the game closing touchdown and that catapulted Walt into becoming a, a a first team All-American the following season, his senior year, you know, back when there was only uh, maybe one or two featured games on TV networks, you know, and, and you got the Ohio State-Michigan game on there and you got uh, you got the big center, a Pancake, and the, the linebacker, uh, All-American Tom Cousineau. They replay that. People see that, and it carries over into the next season. My junior year when we went up to Ann Arbor, I played the best game of my career and had Walt right there on the sidelines next to me. Uh, and, and that win up there and my performance in that game, I think is what ultimately catapulted me to being on, Uh, Not only my team uh, being the number one ranked team in the country coming back the next year, and I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and uh, by the end of the season, consensus first team All-Big Ten and 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 an Associated Press All-American nod. This game allows for offensive linemen to shine. And don't be surprised if you don't see that here again today, whether it's on the Michigan front or it's on the Ohio State front with those big guys up there, Thayer Munford and and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. This is a game for these guys to be able to shine, and that's special because as we know, the big boys up front don't always get their just due when it comes down, down to it, man. We want to be in the paper just like the quarterbacks. No,
0: Hey,
2: no doubt about it.
0: That rivalry has built not only just such a great rivalry, but it's, it's built great friendships. I love the guy from, uh, from Ohio State. A couple guys that, that I knew, John Hicks, uh, Jack Tatum, some of those guys were just phenomenal. It, 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 to this day, I still talk to Tommy Kuzno. We were talking not too long ago. I said, you know what, Tommy? I said, you know, we had, we had such a good, good rivalry there and we were so competitive. And I recruited Tommy to come to Michigan when, uh, cause he was a year following me. And he was like, you guys are crazy up there. <laughs> and uh, he just he ended up making that decision to go to Ohio State. So we always had that intense little rivalry, guard. And as TJ said, I had a great block against him. I can still remember that play. I came off the nose guard. Uh, the left guard picked him or the right guard picked him up. And I came up. Rob Lightle came off my uh, hip side. And Tommy was reaching for him. And I just ran through some butter. <laughs> and I, I put him down. Uh, about five yards deep on his back. Lytle goes in for a 35-yard TD run, and uh, Tommy's laying there, and I says, oh, my gosh, Tommy, are you okay? And I said, can you get up?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I won't tell you the, the F-bombs that he was throwing at me at that time frame, but just recently I was talking to him. I said, hey, Tommy, how you doing? I says, do you have back problems? Are you wearing a brace yet or what? And he would. He would come back with the same verbiage that he did during the game. So <laughs> uh, we built friendships and, and, and the rivalry is so intense. It's a beautiful thing. And for me to be able to share that with my son, I couldn't tell you it's more enjoyable.
2: Well, again, I appreciate you being on the show. And I'm going to just say one thing. Go Blue.